0: purpose driven passion to talk to you about Rick Warren retiring. Welcome in. This is religionless Christianity. I'm your host Spencer and this is my wonderful wife Nikki and today This week, we just found out that Rick Warren is retiring from his church, and that's what we want to discuss with you guys today. So before we dive in, honey, do you have anything you would like to say?
2: I just want to thank you guys. If you've been praying for us to find a church, we did go to a new church this week, completely different from the one the week before. (laughs) And it was really funny. There's a guy there who has visited our old town that we just moved from and he actually works with our friend's uh, son but they work like over Skype with whatever that job is I don't remember but anyways he's been in their home and he knows their family and he's been to our old church too so I thought what a small world like what are the chances of all the churches the, there's somebody there who knows like our best friends back in our old town,
0: yeah, it was crazy, and not just that, but our other like friends from Michigan, where we grew up are the ones who told us about this church. It's a tiny very small brand <laughs> new church, um and they just happened to catch them, and they're like, "Hey, you should check out this church and we went there and lo and behold, we have this connection with a guy <laughs> from across the country and you know, we were hoping for a sort of a smaller church because we want to kind of find a church that we can help grow and build and be a part of. That was something we kind of talked about. You know, we've been to so many big churches, um, speaking about Rick Warren, nothing that size, but yeah. we kind of wanted to find something smaller where we could kind of fit in. You know, we weren't coming into a church 35 years in the making kind of a thing. So, and this church seems like that. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but so far, so good. So yeah, God it was really that. cool.
2: The pastor did, uh, like the outline, the all of Jeremiah, like went through all of it, and that was really neat. It was like three we pages of like asleep. this outline. Yeah, praise God. I have never <laughs> been in church and like went through a whole book like that. Like had to explain to you a lot of the things that you would have read on your own that you would just went over your head. And he really opened it up. It was pretty neat.
0: No, when I hear the Bible, I want people just to give me. Just a summary. Just, I'm just kidding. I, that's not what he was doing. But no, just it was great. So please pray for us on that. Also, like and subscribe like normal. Jump on the Discord. I'm gonna be having a video that we're that's, uh, in connection with what we're talking about today on the Discord channel. You can find it there. It's a John Piper and Rick Warren interview. Uh, so definitely be worth your time to listen to that. So, um, yep, talking about Rick Warren retiring. So. The first time I ever heard about Rick Warren um was kind of in reference to his most popular book, right? The Purpose Driven Life. When that mm. released, that was kind of the first time I ever heard That's the name the only Rick book Warren. I know of.
2: How yeah. many books has he written?
0: He's apparently written a bunch. He actually wrote his first book when he was like 16 years old. He like co-authored a, a couple books. So, mm. he's been doing this Christian thing for a very long time and I've never personally read The Purpose Driven Life. It's just something I heard about and um you know, I've, obviously, if you've been in any sort of Christian circle in the last 20 years, you know about the purpose-driven life.
2: Probably went to a small group, and they did it, because I'm pretty sure, I don't know. I got the book from someone when we were first married, and I know I read some of it at least.
0: Yeah, and we're going to get into the book a little bit m- more later on. But um Rick Warren, he was a lot more than just one book that he authored. So I just want to do a, a quick um, kind of summary of what we're going to talk about and then kind of a quick synopsis on sort of the history, a quick history of Rick Warren. So um, we're going to talk about in this episode, just kind of a look at the life and accomplishments of Rick Warren, um, what he believed. We're going to look at some of the controversies that sort of surrounded him. And then we're going to kind of end this episode answering, you know, like how should we feel about Rick Warren retiring, and what does his retirement sort of mean in American, you know, Christianity? So uh, the first thing, kind of his life and accomplishments, you know, as we uh, stated, uh, well, actually, you know, before we dive in, honey, if you want to read sort of the headline, we'll actually talk about the article, right? Um, <laughs> read the headline in the first couple of paragraphs
2: okay. before I dive into this. All right, the headline says, Rick Warren retires from Saddleback megachurch as changes Riffs Rock Southern Baptist. And the few paragraphs here. After more than four decades, Rick Warren is stepping down as lead pastor of the Evangelical Saddleback Church. He announced the decision during a sermon on Sunday to members of the megachurch in person as well as on YouTube. For 42 years, Kay and I have been have known this day would eventually arrive, and we've been waiting for God's perfect timing. Warren in the message to his followers. Warren67 founded Saddleback Church with his wife Kay in 1980. It is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention and the home church in Lake Forest, California. It is said to be the largest church in California and one of the largest in the country. Saddleback has many additional churches, including more than a dozen locations in California, as well as sites in Berlin, Buenos Aires, and Hong Kong. Oh, I did not know that. That's
0: a lot. So as the article stated, you know, he founded Saddleback Church in Southern California, and he sort of grew that church into one of the largest churches in the country. Um, Mm. And the article goes on to say, if you keep reading that, they currently have like a weekly attendance of over 30,000 members. And as of 2018, they just celebrated their 50,000th baptism.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. So both those numbers are obviously pretty gaudy. um, Hmm. But, you know, he's not gotten to that place without some, you know, controversy following like most mega pastor or mega church pastors and well-known pastors do, um, which we're going to cover like we talked about. But um, just sort of the quick history, Rick Warren, uh, he was born in California in 1954 um, to a Baptist minister father. I think he goes on to say in mm-hmm. one of the articles we read, his grandfather and great-grandfather were also ministers, and I think his great-grandfather was actually um, saved and church-planted by and for Charles Spurgeon, which is kind of cool. Wow. Um, but in high school, he actually founded his uh, the first Christian club, in his, hmm. On his school's campus. So he kind of had this uh, evangelist church planner mentality from a very young age. Um, he did eventually go on to earn a doctorate in ministry from the Fuller Seminary. And then like the article says, in 1980, at the age of 26, he and his wife opened Saddleback Church on an Easter Sunday at Laguna Hills, uh, high school in the theater. So, Mm -hmm. um, started out, although it does say that he started out his very first service with 200 members. So I was
2: going to say, I wonder how many,
0: (laughs) well, it does go on to mention that he started out. It was a saddleback, like church group, like a Bible study in his home, I think Mm -hmm. with like seven people. And then over time it grew and grew. And then he finally launched a church. So, um, he did have a gift for growth. I think even at a very young age, hmm. um, but then the church grew rapidly, like we mentioned, one of the largest in America. In 2002, he would release the Purpose Driven Life, um, which would go on to sell over 40 million copies, and I believe it's the wow. best non nonfiction, the best selling nonfiction book in history. Hmm. I read that somewhere. Don't quote me, yeah. um, but. uh, t- 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 Yeah. Like most of you, again, purpose-driven life is probably where you've uh, heard of Rick Warren first. And then that kind of brings us all the way to today or this week where he's announced his retirement. So um, we just wanted to touch first on some of the controversies that he has been you know, mired in. There's probably been a lot more. And again, we're not terribly familiar with Rick Warren. So we'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on this guy um, and his ministry. But um, the first one that I wanted to mention, and these aren't in any sort of chronological order, just the ones that I kind of picked and choose. Um, he caught a lot of heat over Barack Obama's inauguration. So mm-hmm. he was I remember that. chosen in 2008 to sort of deliver the uh, prayer or speak at Barack Obama's inauguration.
2: Like, why would he say no to that? If he was asked, like, why would he get heat from Christians for that?
0: That was my big point. Like, you don't have to agree. And I think this was sort of spurned out of the fact that, um, he had hosted like, a a civil sort of panel before the, the presidential elections where he had John McCain and Barack Obama come to Saddleback church. And he asked Mm. him questions. And from what I read, he was sort of tough on Barack Obama, asked him some pretty poignant questions and, uh, Mm. still Barack Obama uh, asked him to come and deliver, um, his sermon at the inauguration but yeah like why would you turn that down like you why
2: did he pick um rick warren because he's the most like well-known maybe like people knew he, he was, was
0: very well known obviously the purpose-driven yeah. life had already been out um they have dubbed him sort of america's pastor that's kind of the name rick warren has gotten America's pastor. um okay. yeah I'm, I'm still holding on to dietrich bonhoeffer <laughs> here but uh <laughs> rick warren yeah so again like you said i if God willing, someday I'll have the chance to speak at a president's inauguration. I'm not turning it down. (laughs) Um, He could be Adolf Hitler, and I'm not turning that down because you're never going to have a platform platform. bigger than that um, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So I don't remember that inauguration speech, so I don't know how great it really was. But that was a controversy that he caught, like you said, from a lot of kind of uh, conservative Christians. You know, why would you go and talk at – I think that's sort of unfounded, though. I mean Mm – if you're given an opportunity to have a big platform like that, do it. I remember doing a, uh, a, uh, was can't remember what's called a convocation or whatever at a, a wing dinner in the air force. And I took the opportunity just because it was my chance to say the prayer. And, you know, normally prayers are so like whitewashed and like, Oh, our father. And like, they, Nobody ever wants to throw Jesus's name into the mix. So I kind of took it upon myself to be like, I'll say it. So yeah, if you get a big platform like that, take it. And he obviously did that there. Another one that he caught a lot of heat for, um, and this is more recent, I think it's still ongoing, is his Muslim outreach. So he's been pretty active in trying to do some outreach to the Muslim community. I think there's even been articles kind of stating that he's gone to like mosques and um, like
2: in California. Yeah, like I think local.
0: I don't know. It might be more than local, but um, a mm-hmm. lot of people have had problems with that. Sort of in the vein of he's not, and this is where I think Rick Warren has caught a lot of heat, and it's where a lot of mega church pastors and kind of this like health, wealth, prosperity type thing. And I don't know how much he's into that but you know mm-hmm. they they go light on the theology mm-hmm. in order to cuz he talks about building bridges and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um kind of trying to find common ground with muslims is kind of what he's doing so i don't know how you think or how you feel about that
2: yeah trying to have the i don't know like where is the common ground where is he going with this doing like, what is the common ground? What is, what is he saying to the Muslims to get, you know, the foot, his foot in the door. With them?
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I've read some stuff. I haven't obviously heard what he's said or what he said to Muslims in particular, but you know, some people were questioning, like, are you talking about, we both serve the same God or we both worship the same God sort of thing. And I think he pushes back on that and, again, if you read some of these articles, he talks about how this has been sort of the lie that never seems to fade away. And, but some of the naysayers say that he sort of talks to Muslims like, Hey, we have this common ground and the God that we worship, um, which if that's the case, that is <laughs> not true at all. Uh, we do not worship the same God as Muslims. Um, but again, he denies it. So take that for what it's worth. But again, I don't, Necessarily have a problem with this, Um, even if you're sort of downplaying all the differences, you know, because you're not going to get a foothold in a Muslim community by just walking in and being like, You're all going to hell unless you give Mm -hmm. your lives to Jesus. Like, you're just going to harden their position. So, yeah, um, that's
2: true.
0: Sorry, my phone's going crazy. But, uh, so I don't have a problem with that necessarily. But yeah, if he's trying to. And again, we'd love to hear from you guys well, if you know more about this.
2: Along these lines, I mean I don't have the article holed up. I forgot what <laughs> where I read it at, but how he was trying to get his his book in every church's hands, every denomination, you know, like Christian denomination. I don't think the he was trying to get it into the mosques or anything, but with Catholics, um, that was kind of the big one. And he wants he wanted all these Churches to follow the 40-day program that goes along with the purpose-driven life. Like, he wanted them all to stop whatever. Well, he wasn't telling them that they had to, but he said, if you're going to do this program, you have to stop all the other programs you're doing and just focus on everything in the program. Like, even all your prayers have to be the prayers in the program. And I don't know. I just thought that was... I don't know. I guess I didn't look at the program to know exactly what they're they'd be following, what kind of prayers and so just reading about it I was kind of like turned off at the idea of that, but like why would you have this program? Like why would you care to have it in a Catholic church but you're going to ignore like the deep theology differences? You know what I mean? Like it's like leaving the gospel behind. On
0: different sides of the fence on this one, because I'm personally comfortable with that. Like I think the whole reason that you would come up with a 40 day plan is because you think it's really good, and you think everyone should sort. Like I wouldn't come up with a fitness routine and be like, "Eh, I don't know, it probably doesn't work for you, but like you know, you obviously believe it, and that's why you come up with this. So I'm okay with him pushing his plan to everybody, and I think the idea that he was looking for with this plan obviously catholics don't believe like southern baptists a lot of differences there but i think it was more kind of like getting the entire christian body in this nation sort of moving in one direction together on the issues that we could agree on you know Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: not focusing so much on the differences but like where do we agree because you know we talk about it in this show a lot 65 percent of the country says they're christian and that's a wide variety of Christians in this country. But if you could take all 65% of that, ignoring all the differences and just focusing on what we have in common and moving, you know, abortion, uh, same sex marriage, transgender, all these sorts of things that we all generally agree on, you know, except Episcopalians for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um, and start moving in one direction together. I think that was sort of the notion again, we weren't a part of that, but that was but kind was of the all, way I understood it. Yeah,
2: it was for spiritual growth, right? For like individual growth of the members of all, all these different denominations. But how do you grow spiritually if, you know, I'm just talking about the Catholic Church. <laughs> like if you're not going to address that Jesus is the high priest, you don't confess your sins to another priest, or you know, a man. Well, and this um, takes us into kind of the whole
0: purpose-driven life sort of controversy because there was a lot of, um, this, I don't know how much, but there's uproar over the purpose-driven life book and the theology in it. And in the interview with John Piper, he talks about how he didn't write, he wrote the purpose-driven life for believers. It was actually mm-hmm. supposed to be a workbook for another book that he had wrote um, that was kind of for like church growth uh, or ministry growth. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this book purpose-driven life as a workbook for that and then he said near the end of it he sort of realized that hey this might be something that non-believers want to read too so he just sort of added in quickly some stuff on salvation so he even mentions mm-hmm. with john piper like if i could do it over again i would have explained salvation a lot better
2: right um he had good intentions like he didn't, yeah he wasn't trying to like turn people away
0: Because I know you had some stuff reading through the Purpose Driven Life, just the stuff we looked at, where he kind of would pick and choose um, versions of the Bible that worded just right. But then he would kind of use it in a way where it didn't necessarily line up with uh, the direction of that scripture per se.
2: Yeah. Okay. So in this article, they give an example. And this is just called, I don't know, it's like taking scripture out of context or reading something into the text that isn't there, like it's a different meaning, it's a different idea, and that isn't what the scripture was even saying at all, although he wasn't saying anything that was like wicked, like trying to, you know, make God look bad or anything, so I don't think that his intentions were bad, I just think it's being, what people would say, being careless with the word, and that was the big issue that people had, like even with your good intentions, you still shouldn't do that. So I'm just going to read. Um, this was from, gosh, this was 2005. He says this is from, I don't really know this website who this is. It's com. This was from 2005. But he has this um, example here of him taking scripture out of context. I'll just read it. It says, Warren consistently chooses translations that say what he feels needs to be said, regardless of the real meaning of a verse. A clear example of this is seen in his use of Proverbs 29:18, which, in one of his, uh, which is in one of his ministry toolbox updates. I don't really know what that is, but he provides in the King James translation, in quotes, "Without vision, the people perish." He uses this verse in an attempt to prove his statement that. To accomplish anything, you must first have a mission, a goal, a hope, a vision. Every other translation of scripture provides a more clear translation, such as where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Warren saw out the one verse that says what he wanted to say, even while every other translation rendered the verse more clearly. In doing so, he has certainly not clarified any nuance or shade of meaning. Rather, he has introduced one. And then I looked, I was looking up different translations
0: well, this and, guy's really, obviously an idiot because we all know there is no other translation <laughs> besides. <laughs> but the I concept. wanted to
2: have a more <laughs> clear understanding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so it was Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, and I, I went and I saw one in the Amplified, and it says, "Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained." And then it says, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. So this is all about keeping the law of God. It has nothing to do with accomplishing a goal. So I hope you understand that. Well, that's what taking scripture out of context is, or reading something into the text that isn't there. And that that is a problem. It is, like I said, I don't think he's evil and what he was doing, I wouldn't, I don't want to slander him for that, but that is something that all believers need to know not to do and learn how to read in context.
0: In, so, in his defense, um, John Piper in this interview he claims that the purpose driven life is very doctrinally sound, um, he's in favor of the book largely. So, uh, take it you know for what it's worth. That's some of the stuff that we found. Um, And again, this isn't probably unique to Rick Warren. You know, this is something a lot of megachurch pastors get accused of, kind of taking some verses out of context to sort of plug this, you know, sort of health and wealth. You know, God wants you to be successful and happy and prosperous sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. um, just trying to keep this episode moving. The last um, controversy was a pretty recent one. Um, Recently, he ordained, I believe, three female ministers, um, which is kind of a big deal for a Southern Baptist church. So, um, Mm, I think he's catching some current heat for that one. Um, and I don't know all the ins and outs of that ordaining or what they're ministers of. So, um, that's just kind of the most recent one. So, um, we wanted to kind of go into just some, because you hear a lot about Rick Warren and he's a mega church pastor, but I wanted to kind of look at what does he actually believe what he says he believes. So, um, one of the weird things, you know, we always attach to him as this like evangelical kind of pastor, but he claims he's a Baptist Calvinist. Um, that's what he tells people he is. Um, that's why he sat down with John Piper. He doesn't
2: say reformed Baptist. He says,
0: he says I'm a Baptist way. and a Calvinist. <laughs> so, you know, again, take it for what it's worth, but that's Rick Warren's words. Um, he did also state that Uh, He believes in the five solas, which are uh, scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, um, glory to God alone. So Mm -hmm. um, good there. He's, from what I could find, he's pretty staunchly um, against same-sex marriage. He actually caught a lot of heat from the leftists in California because he was really opposed to Proposition 8 at the time when they were pushing to get same-sex marriage approved. Um, he was pushing for some political candidates that were opposed to it, so there's that. Um, he believes in election and predestination again, that's that Calvinist piece to him. Um, so he says, uh, so maybe a complicated man, you know. And he says, I something I mentioned to Nikki that he says, you could grab any 500 members from Saddleback Church um, and question them doctrinally against 500 members from any other church in the country, and they would be more doctrinally sound. So um, Mm -hmm. his kind of claim there is that the stuff you see and read in Purpose Driven Life is for a very broad audience kind of a thing. It seems like
2: it was also for unbelievers. I remember when I first started reading it that I felt like it was for someone who doesn't even know God yet.
0: And again, he says kind of towards the end of that book, he wrapped in sort of this non-believer piece into it. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, he says if you actually go to Saddleback on a Sunday, they're very deep into Christian doctrine and dissecting the word and stuff like that. So
2: Maybe you guys go there.
0: (laughs) Give it a whirl. Um, So then as we just get ready to wrap this up, because it's running pretty long as an episode, I just wanted to kind of touch on like, how do we feel about rick warren as he's retiring Um, although he does say he's not necessarily retiring he's just moving into a new area of his life wherever god leads him Yeah, yeah so um for me personally um i don't really it doesn't mean much to me i mean again rick warren didn't really influence my life in any way that i can attach to him so Him retiring doesn't mean much to me.
2: He influences a lot of people. I just wonder if there's a lot of those people in his church that just go because he's well known and they idolize him. So I don't know if people are going to leave the church because he's not the pastor anymore. I'm sure Um, he's going to. That's something to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would imagine they're going to lose some membership um, because, you know, I'm sure there's at least some segment of that, you know, the whole quantity over quality when these mega churches and then this sort of softening of the gospel that they preach um so yeah but for me personally and i'm sure it's the same for you it doesn't really make a big difference in my day-to-day life um and then sort of what it means i guess in the christian world i guess with him retiring and again my opinion doesn't really mean much um you know god isn't dependent on any man um and you know we don't work for god because he needs us we work for God because we need him and we, you know, so we work for our benefit, not for God. So whether it's Rick Warren, you know, I don't know who others, a mega church pastor, uh, Joel Osteen, (laughs) you know, uh, whoever you want to name, it doesn't really make a difference. God is going to do what God does. Um, So in that respect, I don't think it matters too much. Um, But again, Rick Warren influenced a lot of people's lives. Um, I hope Mm -hmm. to the benefit you know we talked in an earlier episode about like why do you believe and how did you come to this faith and for a lot of people Rick Warren probably brought them to the faith and um, I hope that it was a deep and profound faith. All right so we're getting ready to close this episode out honey do you have any last thoughts.
2: Yeah I just want to say that we're not just bringing him up I know we're talking about all the things people have said against him but I don't want to slander him because nobody's perfect. I've taken scripture out of context before, and, you know, I'm guilty of doing a lot of wrong in my Christian walk. So I'm definitely not going to slander him. He's a man, and he was, he was blessed with a huge church, and he did preach the gospel. And I just think we should humble ourselves and keep praying for him. He's been through a lot. I know his son had committed suicide years ago, and he's gone through things I haven't gone through. So he probably even questions God in a way I've never had to. So pray for his faith, his family, and yeah, just examine your own hearts first whenever it comes to, you know, someone like a pastor being under a lot of ridicule, which I'm sure. All pastors are going to go through that, but he's very well known. You know, he's the pastor of America.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I want to say. I mean, we aren't trying to disparage this man. Um, You know, I'm kind of tend to be a little bit easy on these people, I think, because, you know, when I look at someone that has a doctorate in ministry, preached for 40 years, all these sorts of things. And like, I feel like we should look at it humbly, like when Mm -hmm. we disagree with somebody on something. And you're like, here's a guy with all this education, preaching, all these different, you know, contacts and influences in life. And like, I'm sitting on my couch reading the Bible being like, you got it wrong. Like, (sighs) and maybe I'm right. And I'm justified in my opinion. Holy Spirit works in me just the same. But like, also take it with a grain of salt that like, he has a calling. He's reading the Bible, studying it the way he understands it. I'm assuming he's a prayerful person. He's never had controversies like Ravi Zacharias or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, just you're going to hear a lot of bad things about anybody with an influence in the Christian community. Yeah. Um, don't take I mean, we know and we tell you all the time the news sucks. If they tell you something about Rick Warren, dismiss it. Um, look into Especially it. Especially if the news
2: is telling you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Read the purpose driven life yourself. If you haven't um, listened to a sermon or two, see if he's actually doctrinally sound. I probably yeah. will as well. Um, and then make sure you jump on that Discord channel. It's in the link or in the description, and we'll have that interview between him and John Piper.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, Piper is in his corner, so uh, that's at least a uh, a good recommendation in my eyes. Yeah, I so. like Piper. Anywho, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, stick around for Friday. We'll have another episode coming. We love you. God bless.